I am a believer in Jesus and I struggle with anger, pornography, fear, and pride. My name is Dave. Tonight, we are talking about hope. And I think that hope is one of those things that we experience, but we don't necessarily take to heart. We don't, um, we don't think about it too much. We don't intentionally process it. People carry around hopes like uh, that the Chiefs or whatever that other team is, is going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> or maybe we hope that our lottery numbers get chosen, right? Or the little scratcher works for us. Um, maybe you're like me and you've had repeated hopes that maybe this diet will work. Maybe you're hoping that your hours at work don't get cut or that they do get expanded. You know, there's times I know that we walk to the checkout line and we hope that the line isn't too long or that somebody doesn't have 15 items in the 10-item checkout lane. Um, but in every case, when those kind of things come up, it's really not, it's just about us wanting our way, right? It's not, it's not really directly dependent on things that I'm doing or you're doing that we did in the past or that we're going to do in the future. Those kinds of hopes are not the same kind of hopes at all that we're going to be discussing tonight. The hope that we're talking about tonight is hope in power. Hope in our power or hope in something that actually has the power to change us. It isn't a plan. It isn't a method. It isn't something that we do once and then we're done. This is different. So I have some questions for you. How many Star Wars fans do we have out there tonight? Okay, we got lots of, lots of hands. I am one of those nerds, right? I'm a nerd, and I, I happily accept that I am a nerd. And I know that there are people in the spectrum of nerdity tonight that are going to be more nerds than I am. And so I'm not trying to get into a philosophical discussion about the ins and outs of everything I'm going to discuss tonight. But that said, many of you, uh, hopefully, hopefully all of you, have seen the, what I will call the original Star Wars, okay, the original Star Wars. Now, when it was released in 1977, it just said Star Wars, right? But if you're like me, you had to watch it on VHS and watch it again, and you got this as the title screen. You got episode four, A New Hope. And thinking about tonight's uh, lesson, it got me thinking, what, it just struck me, like, what is with this new hope? What, what was that? Why, why was it called that? What was, what was new about it? What was that? And if you recall, there was a lot of talk in the movie about bringing balance to the force, right? We got to have balance in the force. And if you've watched the now later movies that were really beforehand, you may recall that the very first hope was in Anakin Skywalker. Little Annie, little Annie. And supposedly he was going to fulfill some prophecy that would bring that balance. Well, um, if you've watched those movies, you would know that that didn't work out so well. Um, he ended up uh, moving toward the dark side and he, he was looking to solve problems that he saw, and he wanted to take power into his own hands. He wanted to do 
things his way. And so we get this really angry Anakin as he got older. And so it progressed. His, his desire to take his hope and to solve his own problems got worse and worse and worse. Things didn't work out for him. He had this idea that if I do these things, if I, if I chase after this thing this, right, this way that I think is the right way because I'm trying to solve a problem, it actually led him farther and farther away. And so then we get to know who he really became all together now. Darth Vader, that's right. So then we look at this and we say, okay, so what's this, what's this new hope, right? Um, well, you know, they thought, they, mean the Jedi and all those people, right? They thought that maybe this guy's going to fix everything. And instead, they got the opposite. Everything got worse. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, it's happened to me. I would think that, you know, if I, if I could just do this or just stop doing that, that my life's going to get better. I, I'm going I'm to figure this thing out. If I could just, and you can insert anything here really, but if I could just stop this bad habit, if I could stop yelling, if I could start spending more time with my kids, if I could be better at time management. We can start all kinds of things there. And life is going to be so much better. But whenever I look back on stuff like that, I realize that all that time, my hope is always in myself. My, my, my hope is that somehow I could figure it out and make it happen. It just was really wishful thinking that some unlikely circumstance would change, or sometimes it was in someone else making the first move. You know, this relationship would be so much better if, if they would just apologize to me, or if they would stop doing whatever it is they're doing, that my, my problem exists over there. It's, it's that problem, and I need them to fix it. I need I have this wishful thinking. I need them to fix it. But let's be real. That other person was just as flawed, probably more flawed, than me. But it was relying on something with really little to no power. We've been learning that our old ways of denying the truth and reality of a situation, it never moves us forward. It gets us stuck. And in that realization, we recognize that we, I mean I, am powerless to make lasting changes. Because if I was strong enough, if I was willing enough, then, you know, I'd already have grown. I'd have fixed my problems. I'd, I'd be done. But I'm not. And you're not. None of us are. See, we're trapped in a sin nature that we're bound to on this side of heaven. And we alone are not powerful enough to stop it. Ben Kenobi realized that. He saw that alone he couldn't stop Anakin's move toward the dark side. I mean, he saw it happen. He was saw it, he watched it happening. And he tried to counsel him. And he was looking at his situation through a lens of fear. And that fear kept him, Anakin, from moving toward a better answer. Fear is something that I struggle with. Fear tends to not allow me to think clearly. 
because I get frozen in the way that I'm thinking, and so I'm unable to move forward like I really should. And sometimes after the end of repeated failure, our hope leaves. I mean, it leaves me hopeless. My brain starts thinking, oh, things are never going to change, that I'll never have healing or success over my addiction or this relationship's never going to improve. I wonder if anything like that has happened to you if you've thought those things. Do you ever feel frozen, kind of like Han and Carbonite? You feel frozen, stuck? See, my fear was that I could never change. I was stuck because my hope was in something that wasn't able to do anything. My hope was in me, and in that hope, I was right. I'm unwilling to change. I also struggled with guilt and shame because the things I'd done, I found it difficult to have hope because all I had in the past, I had all this stuff behind me. I'd messed up so many things. I'd failed so many times. And so trying to have hope was difficult. Maybe you can relate. Because when I hope in me and my power, it's kind of like pouring jello over myself to fill in my cracks. You know, I've got a crack in my arm, so I'll put some jello on that and it'll look smooth. And I've got this hole over here, and so I try to patch it with this jello. But the jello has acid, has acid in it. Because that continued failure, the more that I try to do it myself and heal myself, it actually eats away at me. And I get worse and worse. I'm smaller and I'm more vulnerable than I ever was before. But remember, we're talking about hope tonight, a new hope. Now, we probably all remember what Leah is saying right here, right? What is is Leah saying? Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are my only hope. You're my only hope. So Leah, again, she's putting her hope in a person, right? She's like, you're my only hope. There's nothing else out there. Now, unfortunately for her, he wasn't a perfect solution either. He was not able to overcome what she was looking for. But you know what? We have the opportunity tonight to recognize that God, through the person of Jesus Christ, is our real and only hope. He's a hope we can trust. The difference between the screen and reality that we get to live today is striking. There are some similarities but there are more profound differences. Now, we're in principle two, right? We earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him. He has the power of help and we recover. And we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. But, you know, who is this power? What is that power? You know, in Star Wars, they had this faith in the force, and a faith in the force. And that made for a good story. It made the story work. But we get to live in a reality that God exists. It's not, he is not a made-up force. This is not some thing in our minds. We do not make this up. This is not some crutch, as some people might try to argue. He's real, and we know for many reasons, not the least of which is this. The Bible says it and our own spirits confirm it. In Romans 1.20, it says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, 
his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. See, we have an innate sense that God exists. But then we get the question, what God? Which God? The Romans struggled with this. They had all kinds of gods. The Greeks had all kinds of gods. And they all had different names for them, you know, Zeus and Jupiter and Artemis and blah, 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 right? You got lots of names of gods. The thing is, our God has a name. He has a name. His name is Yahweh. That's his name. He is the eternal, original creator of everything you see. He is all-powerful. Sometimes in the Bible, you hear it say Jehovah. It's the same, means the same thing. And if you read your Bibles, you know it'll say the Lord sometimes in those weird small caps, right? That's rendered that way because in the original language, every time the Lord happens, every time you see that Lord, that's God's name. That's Yahweh. He's saying not just God says, we're naming God, who He is. He is one person we can come to rely on. He is named. We can call Him by His name confidently because we know exactly who we're talking about. We're not talking about God. We're talking about Yahweh, the Creator, the Father, the One. In John 1, 5, God says, in the beginning, the Word existed. The Word was God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Now, this whole passage is reminding us all the way back in Genesis 1, where we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we read over and over and over, then God said, and there was. That's because the Word was acting out God's desires and instructions. The Word was the power that brought our universe into existence. It didn't exist before. The things we think about, this tangible stuff, didn't exist until God, through the Word, which we're going to read in a second, is Jesus Christ, put it into existence. The Word made every single thing happen. So we go back to John verse 14, a little later on, and it says, so then the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So God's Word existed in the beginning with God the Father, was there at the creation, and enacted God's desires for creation in power in the beginning, and that same power came to earth to live 
and ultimately to die and shed his blood and rise again three days later for the forgiveness of our sins. We know the word is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has power. He is real, tangible power. He is power in every sense of the word power your brain can comprehend. He has power to move and to change and to bring into existence things that did not exist previously. He has the power to resurrect, to change, to bring new life into the dead. That is the kind of power that we're talking about then. Now, I might get a little worked up. This is my, I will just admit, this is one of my favorite passages in all Scripture, and it's all about power. This is Colossians 1, 15 through 22. I will try to contain myself a little bit. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, So he's first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And this includes you and me who were once far away from God, You were his enemies. I was his enemy, separated from him by my evil thoughts and actions, by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled us to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, I get excited. I get excited because I was far from God. I was separated by my own evil thoughts, my activities, yet he reconciled my relationship to him by his actions, not my actions. My actions couldn't do it. His actions did it. And now I'm here, I'm blameless. Before him, doesn't mean I don't struggle with stuff, but I'm blameless before Jesus Christ. He's like, you belong to me. You accepted my, my, my salvation, my, my sacrifice for you. We're good from now all the way through eternity. And Jesus offers each one of us that opportunity to come to him. In whatever broken state we're in, we accept his death as payment for our sin. And here on earth, this side of heaven, I still struggle. 
So when we look at the principle, we can clearly see exactly why we name Jesus as our higher power. We earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. That's it. God exists. He's real. Jesus is real. This is a real living person who rose from the grave. That is who I'm trusting. I matter to him because even while I was an enemy, he died as an enemy. But you know what? The power that rose him up from the grave, the power that brings us salvation, the power that can change us, has the power to help me recover. So when we look at our acrostic, you know, it says, hey, our, we have higher power. Well, right. Our higher power does have a name. He's Jesus Christ. And Jesus is not looking for a one-time, hey, how you doing relationship. He wants us every day. He wants a moment-to-moment relationship with us. He wants it all. But we got to be open to change, right? I mean, if we're going to accept all these things that Jesus has the power to do, I've got to be open to receive that change. If I approach Jesus, I'm like, hey, man, I love the salvation, but I really don't. I don't know I'm not interested. He wants more than that. And he's going to pursue you relentlessly because he wants you to be open to the changes that he wants to make in your life. Because while God will take you from wherever you're standing right this minute, he does not want to leave you there. He wants you to be more like him. So we got to be open. we got to be willing. Because God doesn't want to just help you make, stop making mistakes. He wants you to live the fullest life you can possibly live. It's so much more. It's not just stop. It's yes and. Yes, I want you to stop stepping in it. But I also want you to succeed. I want you to be my mouth, my hands, my feet to the rest of the world. I want you to be my ambassador. And so we have to accept the power to change. We have to recognize that the power to change isn't for me. It's all him. I've got to stay plugged into him. I've got to be connected. Because in the past, we wanted to change. We were just unable to do so. But now, we get to work with him. And the power to change is mentioned in Romans 12 too, right? He says, basically, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God, through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, has the ability to change the way I think, the way you think, the way we approach things, the way we receive other input, the way I interpret what's happening to me. I can change the way I think about that. And then, of course, we need to expect to change. If we're going to have hope, we have to expect the fact that Jesus says, hey, if you rely on me, I've got the power to do it, I want to do it, then we should have a reasonable expectation that he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to work out his plan in our life. He has that ability. You know, uh, Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. It's a lifelong process, but he wants you to start now and keep after it every day, whatever day you're in. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. What am I doing today? 
today. I'm staying connected to you, Jesus. I'm asking you for the power to change today, the power to change the way I think today, the, cha- the power to change and interact with other people today. Tomorrow, you're going to get new power. And I don't have to worry about tomorrow because that power doesn't show up until today happens. And so I've got to connect. God knows everything, good and bad. He knew it from the beginning because he was there. He died for you, and it doesn't matter how you screwed up. It doesn't matter. He can change your thinking. He can change your actions. His power working in you can change you. So remember, you want to be this Leah, not the other one. Help me, Jesus. You are my only hope. And I want you to have a new hope. We all need new hope. Hope in Jesus Christ. Because hope in the wrong person is no hope at all. So here it is. Have you figured out where your hope is today? I'll call the band back up. God is calling you to put your hope in him. Jesus is, is tugging on your heart right now to say, this area of your life, your hope is still in you or your hope is in this other person. This part of your life, that hope isn't in me. It's not in Jesus. It's not in his power. And so we're gonna offer blue chips, just an opportunity for you as you're sitting there to respond to this hope that Jesus is calling you out to. He intensely loves you and he intensely wants to give you his power. He wants to work in your life. So if there's a place in your life where you've been struggling with hope or hope's been in the wrong thing, it's been letting you down, tonight, come grab a blue chip just as a symbol of you taking on Jesus' hope for your life or whatever part of your life that God's working on you. Men take from men, women take from women.